certainly we need to do our homework before fundraising, but we can't forget about the donor. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Angela White. She is the CEO of Johnson Grossnickel and Associates and a longtime highly sought after trainer for the fundraising school. And Angela, you know from being on our faculty for such a mm -hmm. long time, we feel that the relative advantage of the fundraising school is that we are research-based. We have academic faculty and a research team at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy who are discovering new knowledge all the time. And then we translate that into best proven practices for everyday fundraisers. So let's start with mm -hmm. the research. Mm -hmm. How important is research over anecdote when preparing to fundraise. Right. Well, that's what I love about teaching for the fundraising school is that the practical side of the teacher's experience coupled with that research, I think really gives the best well-rounded hands-on training for those of us in the profession. And so for me, the importance of research is we've got to know what's cutting edge. We have to be research-based in our profession, but we can't let that research then stereotype how we view donors. So we can't say, you know, Angela is a 55-year-old white woman woman, um, boomer generation, da, 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 naming off all of, all of me, and then say, so now we know exactly how she'll behave without ever talking to me. But we should use that research to inform our planning when working with donors. So I think the blend is key and really important and a strong suit of the fundraising school. You know, when I teach, I, I mentioned that, you know, in the research it's called the correlation coefficient on, on how related are two things, or more than two mm -hmm. things. And you, the answer is somewhere between negative 1.0 and positive 1.0. And the answer is never 1.0. Like 1.0 is we need right, oxygen, right? right? These things are tendencies. These things mm -hmm. are predictors. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand the research, but nothing is automatic. We need to tailor our fundraising to the individual. Right, exactly. And what we think about at JGA right now are some key pieces of research that I know we're working with you on the fundraising school with as well. Um, generational research. Mm -hmm, now we mm -hmm. have five generations of donors, right? And so how do those tendencies track and what do we know about the generations? Uh, gender, another important piece of research. And certainly, just right now, what's happening with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act? Mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. is that changing, or might change, maybe we don't know enough yet, donor behavior? So those are top of mind for me right now. Uh, another piece top of mind is the role of diversity, mm -hmm, how people mm -hmm. give differently based on their ethnicity. Um, and if we don't understand that, we're just not coming to the table with the full picture of how to, how to strategize and engage with our donors. And of course, at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy, this research comes out again from our faculty and our right. research team and also various institutes like the Women's Philanthropy Institute mm -hmm. and the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, the Mays Institute on Diversity and Philanthropy, the Muslim right. Philanthropy Initiative, mm -hmm. all these areas that focus on specific activities in life and yet, Angela, we can't stereotype. So exactly. how do I do my homework? How do I maybe have some expectations at the start of a fundraiser donor relationship? Mm -hmm. But what do I need to be thinking of and doing when I'm meeting with the prospective donor? Well, we say this, this piece of our work is a team sport. So mm. I'll just tell you a very quick story that I want our listeners to remember called Bob is Dead. Okay. And the point about Bob is Dead is that it was a course I was teaching for the fundraising school. Uh, a couple of professionals from uh, Ohio University shared this story on themselves, that Bob had been a long time in donor to endowment. Bob died, wife living. They sat in a room like this, the two professionals, mm -hmm. and they cooked up a great plan for the wife of what she could do to honor Bob. Okay. Okay, they had research, they knew he'd given to endowment, they knew her age, of course, talked about her as a big plan giving prospect. They never talked to her. 
Hmm. Okay, so then they went to meet with her and they unveiled their plan. And she looked right at our two professionals and said, Bob is dead. Wow. Because they talked to her about doing what Bob had always done, giving to endowment to honor Bob. And she said, Bob is dead and I want to do what I want to do. Well, certainly they learned from that experience because they were willing to share it with the whole class of people and kind of tell on themselves, right? But the point was, we can use all that research and sit in our office, but unless you're out with the donor getting to know him, her, a couple, whomever, a corporation, a foundation, you can't make a strategy. So use research to inform, but use what we call those good old discovery visits to get to know the person, right? That's why they say, you know, very rarely am I going to come meet Bill, although I've known you a very long time, mm -hmm. right? Yes. But we've never talked about your philanthropic giving priorities. That is right. So I'm not going to come meet you on the first day and say, Bill, I know I've known you 25 years, but now would you give, you know, a million dollars? We're going to have some intentional dialogue around that. And that's why we say usually those major gifts are not born out of a first conversation. They're born out of an intentional conversation around your, what your priorities are. And then how I know from tools and research that giving might help mesh with those priorities, if that makes sense. Angela, absolutely. And, and what would you recommend then to fundraisers uh, when I'm having that meeting with a prospective donor? Mm -hmm. What practices, what techniques? What should I be doing in that meeting? Not just to share the information about my nonprofit or in mind with what I learned on paper online in our donor database. During that meeting, what should I be doing to really try to understand the donor's motivations? I would suggest you come at it from appreciative inquiry. So we're not going to ask you yes and no questions, mm -hmm. right? I don't want a yes or a no, correct? I want to say, tell me just a little bit about, you know, your own family, your own life. I try to get at what brings you joy in life. What are you doing today? And then when you move the conversation to charitable giving, we like to ask questions like, tell me a little bit about your charitable giving priorities today. Where are you focusing your generosity? And let him or her tell you that, and then try to draw some connection for what you're passionate about to what we're doing at my institution. But to me, the biggest rule of thumb is think about it as a conversation, not a presentation. And I think the biggest mistake we make in our industry is coming to Bill and thinking that I'm giving Bill a presentation. So here's my PowerPoint, now sit down and we're gonna go through it. No, it's gotta be a conversation with appreciative inquiry. And you know me to know I'm a talker far more listening than talking. Yeah, I love that illustration for those of us who are fully abled. We have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. So mm -hmm. in that fundraising relationship, right. we should be observing and listening 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's how we pick up on what the donor's interested right. in. Right, and thinking about, you know, we can't influence, think about the good old linkage ability and interest, right? right. We can't influence the ability to give or the donor capacity, but we can certainly work on linkage and interest. So what could I glean from the conversation to draw you closer? Maybe before I even ask about the charitable giving priorities, how can I draw you closer? So I might say, you know, would you be interested in coming to sit in on a class um, at the university? Or would you be interested in a behind the scenes tour of our operating room at the hospital? Mm -hmm. You know, what could I offer you that you couldn't just do on your own that might bring you closer to touching our mission and engaging with our mission. You know, Angela, I wanted to amplify what you said about having a conversation and not making a mm -hmm. presentation. When I teach either for the fundraising school or in our academic courses, 
You know, you kind of go over the steps of what making the philanthropic request looks like. Yes. And it's the third or fourth step uh, engages um, the donor saying, tell me what you think about this issue or tell me what you think about how our organization is addressing mm -hmm. this issue. And I'll, I've even reached the point now where I'll say, you know, when we debrief on this, everybody always misses that step, so don't miss that step. So they go do the exercise and every single time. We uh -huh. ask people to debrief, and I said, by the way, did they ask you about uh, what you thought about the issue? And it's like, hmm. I'm like, I told you this before we started, right. and right. you still didn't ask them. It's it, that big of a miss oftentimes. Mm -hmm. I think it is getting your head in the presentation mode, right? Yeah. The presentation mode is that you're at a conference. This does not feel like a conference in a one-to-one -one sit down right. having a conversation with you. And I think part of it might be born from a little bit of fear or trepidation, you know, about how to move into that conversation. But if you've done it well and you've built the donor relationship, it's a natural next phase. I had a, another donor tell me one time, I've had a development officer come meet with me for coffee for four years while my daughter was a student at the university. She's now graduated and we're still having coffee. They've never taken it to what they probably want it to be the next level of a donor conversation. So again, intentionality and conversation, not presentation. And Angela, especially maybe for our earlier career fundraisers, they might feel hesitant to, with this appreciative inquiry line mm -hmm. of a conversation. Right. And you know, one thing we teach at the fundraising school is the most difficult thing isn't the meeting with the donor or even making the philanthropic request, it's getting the meeting. Oh yes, If you that's have the, the meeting, the prospective donor is expecting this conversation. Exactly, and we talk about that as well in the classes I teach. Getting the appointment is often the hardest piece. Yep. So, you know, do you have permission to use their cell phone? Can you text them? We are seeing more and more donors and clients wanting to communicate with us via text. Just shoot me a quick text when we can talk, right? So text messaging, sending an email. It's rarely now is it setting an appointment by phone which used to be, right? right, for those of us a little older, yes. the tried and true method. And so I think getting the appointment, the other piece of getting the appointment to understand is if I'm not getting my text, email, phone call returned, then I'm not the right one to be reaching out. Right. So check your ego at the door and say, again, team sport, colleague, maybe you could reach out and see if you could get the two of us to have an appointment with this person because I don't seem to be getting through. Right? So I think that is it. That is a difficult piece. And understanding where you can make the strongest connection to get the appointment is an important step. So make sure you're looking at the research. Do your homework. Mm -hmm. right. But then when you're meeting with the donor, remember the art of fundraising. As our founder, Dr. Henry Rosso mm -hmm. said, fundraising is the gentle art of teaching the joy of giving. And of course, at the fundraising school, we take that wonderful research, we translate that in ways that you can use for strategy, for planning, and for implementation. And we also have talented, amazing faculty who know how to connect with you. Uh, they understand your job, they're doing your job, uh, and can do that in a way that understands where you are. All of this information is on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. You'll find information about our public courses, which are all over the United States, about our custom training, which can be taken all over the world. You'll find information about our webinars, as well as these free podcasts, which are archived for you to use for yourself, as well as at staff meetings and with your board of directors. With Angela White, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.